If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. This episode is a little different and very exciting, actually. Myself and Jenna O'Keefe recorded a joint episode, the same episode that would be published on her podcast as well as mine. She published hers a couple of weeks ago and now it's my turn. Uh, Jenna is a fantastic coach and breathwork specialist and her insight into the world and how she works with her clients has got lots of crossovers with my own work with my clients. Um, it was a pleasure to speak to her. We had such a fantastic conversation and I hope you enjoy it too. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode with the gorgeous Claire Hill. So this week's episode is a little bit of a different one because we are doing a joint podcast together all about imposter syndrome, leadership within business. I mean, I feel like, and you probably feel the same, Claire, like whenever you reach a new level in business, I think there's always like an aspect of imposter syndrome that kind of rears rears its ugly head. So I thought that this would just be such a beautiful joint episode to do together. So Claire, do you want to introduce yourself to my listeners and then we can switch? Yeah, so this is an episode that's going to be on my podcast, No Rest for the Vivid as well. It's so cool that we've done this. We think it's really <laughs> exciting because we're both recording at the same time. Um, just, <laughs> yeah, so I am Claire Hill. I'm a self-belief coach and business mentor. And also I'm a wire artist as well. Um, I am all about the self-belief of imposter syndrome. And I believe that we can actually become best friends with our imposter syndrome. Yes, yeah. there's so many lessons to learn from it, right? <laughs> Oh, so many, so many. But oh. I totally agree with what you said about imposter syndrome when you reach new levels. I imagine it as you're cl- climbing a mountain and you use a certain set of tools yeah. to get up the first bit, get a base camp, and then it's all comfy now, aren't you? I mean, it's so comfy when you just, you're settled and you feel really comfy. Yeah. Like, this is all right. I'm okay here. It's all yeah. safe. But then you think, is the view better on the next bit? <laughs> yeah. Then- different set of tools and this is when I think imposter syndrome can attack you again and again and again and we have to move our mindset into being very grateful that it's there because that does mean that we're growing yeah absolutely it is that switch to more compassion and we'll yeah let's dive into that then and um just to introduce myself to Claire's listeners as well yeah, my name, um... Jenna, would you like to introduce no, you're good. To my no you're good you're good um my name is Jenna O'Keefe hello everybody I'm a confidence and business strategist um so exactly what it says on the tin really I help um I help women who are holding themselves back in some kind of way right like they know they are made for more they know that they are ready for more but they know that they're holding themselves back and watering themselves down so um very very similar we kind of cross over in the most perfect way Claire so how did you how did you get into your business like what was it that I presume you've experienced imposter syndrome before right Oh yeah, hundred massively. In my old, I used to um, work in education, and I was a. I left that career um, as a, a secondary assistant head teacher three years ago, just over three years ago. Oh. And um, I had imposter syndrome then, like yeah. back then. And I remember um, my boss saying, 
and I was really worrying about stuff and he was like it's because you've got imposter syndrome it's a totally new so the, the first time I heard it was probably about seven years ago the term and mm-hmm. I mean now everyone knows what imposter syndrome is isn't it but yeah. it's like, back then it was just such a new thing and I recognized it was there because of getting a promotion but way back when I've just I've run multiple side hustle businesses um then fell pregnant with my little boy and in, on maternity leave I started making again and but I was making with wire and it was really successful and it became quite successful before COVID and then COVID hit and then it was like avalanche um really mm-hmm. an avalanche of amazing things um but then I let so I left my um career and and then I was just like so now what do I do I'm my own boss like it's not I'm not messing about anymore and the imposter syndrome comes again so the reason why I I'm I love talking about self-belief and imposter syndrome is that it's all about what's possible it's like you were just talking about your your audience I'm all about possibility so I'm on a mission so that nobody in the whole world ever thinks no nah, that's not possible for me no I can't do that yeah I'm like, no I don't believe that. I believe anything is possible for everybody. So if you've got an idea, if that wonderful dream lands in your head and you get like a bit of a tingle and you're like, oh my God, that is such a good idea. And you know those ideas and I'm sure you've been there. You go, oh my God, this is such a good idea. And you go up to like somebody you love, a friend, you're like, I've got this amazing idea. And then you share it and they go, don't you think you're taking too much on? Or is that really going to work? Oh, I don't know about that. Sounds a bit risky. You know what I mean? And then suddenly... Yeah, that's just... like, that's my boyfriend through and through. He <laughs> shits yeah. on my parades, yeah. <laughs> my husband's the same, but I'm, it's just got to be yin and yang. I always yeah. think that, like, I'm, he's so risk adverse. And I'm like, <laughs> so I was going to plane today. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> exactly the same. Keeps me grounded. But yeah, so that that kind of idea of, of um, just anything's possible. And like my background, the reason why I came into this is because I... Um, while I was at school in my education career I was working with really disadvantaged children after mm. working with homeless families and adults and I went into education actually after I was working in that career for about 10 years and then um, I was like oh I'm not making enough impact they're already adults what can you change like you always, mm. they're already set in their ways obviously growth mindset that that kind of thing again which just people just didn't talk about it so I went into se- in, in ed- ed- education. And then I started a master's degree and I ended up specializing in trauma-informed education. And from there, it's all come from like how, in, how much of trauma impacts your self-belief. And I yeah. had quite a traumatic childhood and into my young adulthood. So I was like, if I taught myself to believe in myself, how did I do it? And that's where all of this new flurry of works come from. Yeah, like reverse engineering it and being like, actually, you know, how can I... How can I then give this to others? And I think that's it. That's kind of what we do as mentors, isn't it? It's like you go on the journey and it maybe takes you like, you know, 10, 15 years from start to finish. Yeah. And But you can kind of package that up for somebody and it might take them a re- like a far shorter amount of time because yeah. it's like you've learned all the lessons, you've tried all the things, you've done all of the things yeah. and actually you're shortcutting like their journey which is just so powerful right because some of this work like I've had um so my modalities are like I use a lot of breath work and subconscious um healing with my clients and like sometimes you can get like just it takes 
a second to get a breakthrough. And once you see something in a different way, it's like you don't go back. You're like, it's shifted things forever. And so I think there's an element of it as well, like believing it's possible, but being like so open to the magic of it all as well, because it is magical. Yeah, it is. I'm really interested to hear how you got into breathwork. Like where did your journey begin with that? Yeah, so I um, I live in a very, well, I still say I live less so now. So I live in a very anxious body, but less so now, now as a result of breathwork. Um, but when lockdown hit, so I was really struggling with anxiety up until lockdown, but I was in the I in my advertising agency job I couldn't stop like there was no stop it was like I had to continuously go to meetings I had to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and um my anxiety um comes through in agoraphobia so I get really really like I can't leave the house like I get really stuck in the house that's like my kind of like safety yeah behavior and safety trigger um so when I was just desperate not to go to work but I couldn't because then I'd lose my job I wasn't financially in a great position and then when lockdown hit I was like sweet I don't have to leave my house anymore this is amazing and so the first lockdown I didn't it was like the first time I didn't experience anxiety in probably like 15 years because I just didn't have to leave the house or if I did it was like for kind of secluded walks you know um nobody really around and then when the world started opening back up again, it was a really difficult time for me because I had the duality of being really confident online and actually being a confidence coach, but then struggling with agoraphobia. And I was I was kind of publicly talking about it, but probably not. You know, I was still living it. Um, so that's when I found breathwork and I was like, I need something like I was trying to I was trying therapy um, I had tried coaching. Coaching was just the coaches that I had just weren't even scratching the surface with what was going on. Um, therapy kind of wasn't really either. And yeah. so breath work for me was a way that I could really take control back over my anxiety, over my body. And it was a way for me to train my body into feeling safe again. Um, and I mean, so, you know, this was maybe like two and a half years ago since then. I've traveled the world, I've spoke on panels, hosted retreats, um, you know, and I have to say, like, I don't, I don't, that's not my reality anymore. Like, I wouldn't say that I am agoraphobic anymore. But, you know, to be able to have something like that was so powerful. And then I kind of use breathwork now in a different way. Obviously, like, I think when you first start with breathwork, it's really like, it's really gritty, and you feel like you're clearing out all of the shit, all of the um all of the anxiety all of the emotion but it got to a place where actually like my breathwork experiences became really joyous and I was using them for clarity around um different work projects I was using them for creativity for energy so it really shifted for me but it's a huge part of what I do and um for me personally but also it's amazing to bring that to my clients as well because we talk about imposter syndrome and anxiety and these things but the very real reality of it is you know when you are on your own and that is the only voice that you can hear that's telling you I'm not you're not good enough you're a piece of shit you know you can't do that who do you think you are like having something to just bring you back to you and remind you that you are not that voice you are not that anxiety you are not that imposter syndrome is a complete game changer um so that's kind of where it all started really and it's just something that I forever will be so grateful for because it's 
such a powerful tool. That's amazing. I love that. That isn't it so powerful when you find something that really works for you, and that's so you go on this search and be yeah. like, there must be something that can help me in a different way that I've not explored before. Yeah. And then you step into it, and then you're like, "What? Well, this has worked so many. How many more people can I help with the same thing?" And that's just that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And when you see people have those breakthroughs, and you think, "Oh, that's really cool." Like, it's really cool that to find it to then get certified in it and I'm such a geek I love all the science and all of that kind of stuff behind it so I loved getting certified in it and then hosting it and teaching it and even just seeing clients in person and hosting breathwork experiences and seeing how different they feel after one session it's amazing it's so so good it's I think that's like like that's why we do what we do to see that breakthrough in the client and to see their face change and to see I had a client say to me yesterday she was like um my friend said to me today at work, you're just different. You're just confident. You're just different. And, you know, and you're like, oh, that's so special. It's so, so special, you know? It's really, really cool. Oh, that's amazing. I love, I just love, that's such a transformation from what you were just talking about. Like, I know COVID obviously was terrible for a lot of things, but so many people I talked to found like this new way to live their life during that time. Yeah. It, and you know they always say that you only get one life but you get to live it every day so obviously that period of time where we all were able to just pause and reevaluate yeah it's just I'm just so grateful for that time obviously everything else to do with covid was awful but just that opportunity and the fact that really grateful that we had that like there were some people yeah. i know like i i had um i was teaching through covid you know obviously because I was mm. teaching so I was delivering lessons and getting stuff together and I actually had to go back into school because being um, a leader we had to go in and be there for year 10 and year 12 yeah um, but I still it still wasn't the same pace that I was living before it no. was like you know could, I saw my house in the daylight and never used yeah. to happen it's so strange like now I'm like literally never leave my house now because I'm working here all the time but you know, just little things like that. When yeah. I, was, I was leaving work and like for my little boy, he was, um, how old was he? He was 18 months when the lockdown, first lockdown. Like I never saw him in the daylight when I first went back to work. It's crazy, isn't it? When you yeah. think, but that was like normal. Like yeah. that was normal. Exactly. Yeah. And now, like, I think obviously there were so many, there were so many things that were awful about it. But in terms of how we start, I think how we started to think about our own health, our own boundaries, like our own, like how are you living the life that you actually want to live? And I think it made everybody reevaluate that. I remember like literally probably the week before we went into lockdown, I was on my commute and it was, um, I was living in central London at the time and it was pissing it down with rain and it was so hot, you know, just like one of those like really humid. And I just left. And I had like a really nice outfit on, like a nice blouse on. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to get on the bus. So I got on the bus and then there was so many people around me. Yep. And it was like, I don't know, like eight o'clock in the morning. And I could feel like the sweat dripping down my back, knowing that it was the beginning of the day. And I just, that was, I said to myself, something needs to change. This yep. isn't what, this isn't the life I want. And it just, there was no other options for me. I didn't have 
I didn't really have a business idea. I wanted to do coaching, but it just seemed so far away. And I just thought something has to change. And then it was almost like, it was almost like we went into lockdown. I think I got, I did like one or two more commutes and then we were locked down and I never worked in an office again. And you know, when you're just like, it's actually just nuts when you think like everything can change like overnight and you just think, fuck, like I think to myself, imagine if, I'd have known that that would be my last day working in an office ever. I'd probably think that I would get hit by a bus or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be like, what? What do you lockdown, mean last day? Exactly. Lockdown just seemed like such a, um, like some, it was like the apocalypse was coming or something. Yeah. Like, did you feel like that though? I remember yeah, it did. It was scary. There was a, a period in the school when we were closing down because year 11, bless their hearts, like they didn't get any levers or anything. Oh, it was, it was so like, sad. They had to go and that was it. I suppose it's exactly the same for like year six. Can you imagine, you know, when you're leaving school and that's it. Um, and I remember just being back at the hall, like crying. Everyone was crying. Like all the teachers were crying and we're just all crying, like these poor kids. But also like, yeah. how? what the fuck is going to happen? How do we orchestrate this school in a way that kids are still going to make progress and still going to be okay and get qualifications? Because at that point, we had no idea. Luckily, we had already set up like Google Meet and Google Drive where so all of oh our my lessons, God. we already had stuff set up like that all of the schools that didn't have that so like google meets was normal for my school we would have google meetings but you know like now we zoom is just absolutely normal but i remember a period where like people were like what the hell is zoom what, yeah over? i didn't know what zoom was i remember joining my first zoom and being like what the hell is this <laughs> It's like just like you know, absolute off its head on FaceTime, isn't it? It's just like yeah. a the FaceTime. But I remember seeing like we'd have a lesson, and the kids, some of the kids would join, like in the sixth form, and you're seeing all of their little faces, and and then like in seeing into other staff's houses because you could like <laughs> see what's what's going on. Like, the head teachers? Oh, that's what our looks like. Oh, you know, like, <laughs> it's so nothing. true. It's so so true. We had one guy that would always sign in from he was a designer and he would always log in from his bed. And you know, when you're like, oh, what are you doing? Get off your bed. It's just like that one where the girl was just like put the zoom down, she's going to the toilet, and she's like, shit, look at you just literally just I'm so hey sorry people did that in the beginning though, because then you were like hyper focused. Like, that's not that's not gonna happen to me, it's not gonna happen to me. <laughs> but yeah no it was it was a weird very weird weird time but very grateful for it so you know you were talking about imposter syndrome do you remember a time when you've had it what happened like what sparked it or was it just your best friend little bastard in the corner always there (laughs) mine's always there (laughs) mine was like I first really felt it when I at the advertising agency like I when I joined, it was so competitive and I so wasn't used to it. It was so competitive. I, I wasn't trained very well. Like it, I was out of my depth big time because I went from client side to agency and it, they're two very different jobs. Um, and I just, it was like the comparison to other people. It was, you know, probably like the first real time in my life, which I suppose I'm very privileged that I got to that time which how old was I I don't know mid-20s when I first started in that job 
it was the first time that I really on a chronic level didn't feel good enough and every day I woke up and I thought I don't feel good enough I'm not good enough to be here every and it was like the paranoia as well like I suppose anyone listening that's still in the corporate world um or in a leadership position in the corporate world like I just had this paranoia of any time people would go into a meeting I felt like they were talking about me like which is just so strange when you think about it it's like what the hell but that was that was when I really first felt it and that never really left so then I actually to be fair it it shifted when I went I'd shifted jobs um I took a job black client side which paid more money for less hours because I was just done the agency world just wasn't for me I couldn't deal with the competitiveness the ego or like working all the hours under the sun for not great money I was just done so I took that job and I didn't feel I didn't feel imposter syndrome but partly because I didn't really this sounds bad but I already knew that I wanted to set up my business then so I didn't really care yeah it was just I could do the job with my eyes closed I felt fine and actually interestingly it's the first job that I did where I didn't really care into the same level that I used to but that was probably the most success I've ever had in a job because my team were like oh my god you're so laid back like and all of it and it was just so fascinating right because I was thinking fucking hell I've led all of these teams before and poured my heart and soul into it but cared too much and then as soon as you actually give you know less of a shit by less of a shit I mean like 10% less of a shit yeah you know I'm still doing my job and still turning up people fucking loved it people loved it they were like oh my god like and I just could be straight with people you know none of that stuff but I have to say in my business I've got to such a place now where yes I might if I'm doing something like if I'm speaking on a panel talk or if I'm hosting some kind of event or maybe launching something that's a bit different there might be that little voice there of like yeah but can you actually do this can you actually are you actually good enough to do this um but I've just arrived at a place where I just let it happen you know like it's just if it's there it's there sometimes it is sometimes it's not but it's never enough to stop me I think one of the things that I've really realized is I have always focused on making my desire to succeed and to create and to create this business greater than any other doubts or mindset wobbles or imposter syndrome that I will get. So even if I'm scared, even if my imposter syndrome is, you know, being mean or all of that, like I'll just keep going. I'll just keep plowing on. It doesn't, it doesn't derail me like it used to. I love that because that's, you just described how it is for me as well because I think is it similar for you yeah absolutely because of the all of that work I think you do have to take responsibility that yeah you have to do the work yeah saying like you know we're coaches we can do so much you can just transform somebody's life as a coach but they that person has to be under like understanding that they have to be ready to do the work and they've got to do the work that we're going to guide them to do um and I think that all of that work has been so powerful in me. Oh, it's just, it's just been transformative. Like the, the, the first thing that I did that really helped me was to name that part of my voice, those thoughts. Mm. So mine is called Clara. Like, <laughs> absolute shit bag. And I love that I can separate it from me in a way. Sort of thing. Yeah. I was going for a run the other day. So the way I teach about imposter syndrome is you have, your the critical voice the imposter syndrome name that so mine's clara i used to be called clara as a kid freaking hated it so that's that then there's me like right now 
and then I have seven figure Claire like seven figure Claire oh, that's nice. badass so that future version of me every day I'm like what would that version of me do or am I already that version in certain things so if I need to be if I need to fire up some brave juice to like yeah. I'm scared of something so if I'm trying to pitch to somebody like probably I was like voice note you need Jenna hi uh can I come on should we do a podcast together because I'm just increasing my visibility I'm so transparent I'm not trying to be like yeah we're yeah it together aren't we we're yeah all absolutely to together so I'm very like you know this is my plan um if I want to do something like that or again creating a new um or you know big launch I've got my sort of I suppose it's my signature program coming out spaces are opening mm-hmm. like October and this morning I was thinking about thinking can I actually do it again this will be the mm-hmm. third time though can I do it again yeah like, yeah, yeah but I've got no evidence to say I can't so I just have to sort of yeah. like re-establish that but having that separation and that that part of me was formed and um, by people that you know had their own issues or whatever they've said to yeah. me that created those the, the stem of where those thoughts have come from um I had quite a traumatic childhood she was probably born there out of neglect and stuff. Yeah. So she's like the girl in the ring when she you know all the greasy hair that hangs <laughs> out of the tv that's what yeah that like. but I just like I just feel like she needs a bit of love so when she's been an yeah. absolute arsehole I just like I know you know I think it's all these simple things that sound silly when you say them but they're so effective I literally give myself a cuddle and say you're safe you're safe to grow big because a lot of my thing about imposter syndrome is that I'm not safe imposter syndrome is like a bungee cord wants to take you away from the um unfamiliar even if that's joy wants to bring you back to what's familiar even that's if that's misery and we have to be aware that we can push through that fear and those critical voices Mm -hmm. because where's the evidence I love to write mine down or used to a lot more than I do now because again the work it gets you to a certain point where you feel confident enough to just snap it out like yep shut up I'm good but and yeah. exactly like I was saying about this uh, run I did the other day I'm just new to running so I've been running for about two months and I was like on a mission to do 5k I was like yeah I can do this I've not used couch to 5k or anything I've literally just really simplified it got my stuff on and walked out the door no sound no music or anything to the point where now I'm like I'm scared to wear anything different I wash the clothes but I have to wear exactly the same outfit <laughs> you're like this is it <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I was running and I didn't want to look at how far I'd I'd gone I thought it must be 5k and that part that Clara was going just have a look you've probably done it now who cares no one's watching you yeah who even cares if you run this far who you know stop being an idiot blah blah blah, blah. so it's going off and I said out loud, thankfully there's no one around, like, seven figure Claire, can you just step in for a moment? And that was enough for my thoughts to switch. And then I'm like, come on, what's possible for you? What if you don't oh. look, you can maybe even do faster, you know, like, and I was just constantly like giving myself a pep talk. And I ended up nearly doing six kilometers. So I was like, oh my God, you know, but that's how, if we disassociate ourselves from knowing that that, those thoughts are not the true essence of who we are. And yeah. we can separate ourselves from it it becomes such a powerful tool because not only can we stick on the sidelines and just be like let's just stay over there be quiet but also those doubts we can write down is there an area of growth that we want to look into is there any evidence we can use it as a tool to move us forward yeah there's a point there on like as well when that voice is like left behind left 
unattended, it ruminates. And when you let it ruminate, it kind of gets bigger and louder and louder and louder and harder and harder to ignore. Um, So just being able to like nip it in the bud and be like, I love how you said like seven finger Claire, can you just step in? And you're almost imagining it like a boardroom, right? And it's like, like seven figure Claire comes in in her suit, like, and then like, no, we can do this. I think like, it's interesting that you say you kind of visualize her um, kind of like a little monstery type yeah. vibe. Whenever I visualize imposter syndrome, whenever I visualize imposter syndrome, I I visualize it, and this helped me as like my younger self. So like me as like a little seven year old looking really cute, and I think if I hear a voice like, um, "Who do you think you are to do this? Who do you think you are to do this?" Right. I will then be like, okay, who is really saying this? And I'll visualize myself as a little seven-year-old girl being like, just sat there like looking actually really scared. And that's where it's similar what we do because that's where the compassion then comes in for me. And it's like um, one of the things I like to do in the car, like the car is such a great place because you can just talk to yourself and you don't look crazy. You don't look mental. But quite often in the car, if I was driving to somewhere that I was a bit scared of, I'd be exactly the same like, you're safe. You're so safe. You're so safe. It's fine. Like, you know, if you want to leave at any point, you can leave, whatever, you know, like all of this kind of stuff. And that helps as well. Like reframing, reframing this um, fear and imposter syndrome, this harsh critique with love and compassion. Cause quite often we're quite often, I think clients, they try to fight it and they're like, no, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. And it ends up as this like, conflict tug of war which again just stresses your body out right because even though we're kind of talking in fantasy here your body doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality so that's where like your body's like hang on a minute are we having like a punch up or (laughs) what's going on here you know are we actually um so that kindness and compassion is the only way to heal imposter syndrome Mm. yeah yeah yeah. you have to become best friends of it it has yeah you hold their hand and just be like look I know I get where you're coming from mate you yeah but you know my love we've got to do this because yeah we've we've been through all of this to get here we've not come this Mm -hmm. far to only come this far so just buckle up like you need a cuddle there you go have a cuddle we're getting on with it and I think that that's where people find themselves inadequate when they hear that impositive but it's just a natural thing that we all have and it's the only reason why we as business owners or, or leaders or entrepreneurs, we are basically having a job interview every single day. We are putting ourselves out there every single day, especially if you're running your own business. So I had a conversation with my husband recently and he experienced imposter syndrome. Now he only experienced it if he's going for a promotion or doing a big talk or you know a presentation. But as a, a business owner, I'm I'm facing it almost every day because I have to sell every day and I'm you know connecting with people every day putting myself out there but that is my job that yeah. is what it is and I think that we have to remember that being a, you know what we do is not easy it is not easy it is the, so amazingly rewarding because you are gifting yeah. people these amazing skills and they can make their dreams possible and they have these breakthroughs and it's the most amazing thing and that can filter into them if they've got kids becoming a better parent having a a stronger family unit you know like all of these wonderful things happen 
But at the end of the day, we are um, putting ourselves in the position where we are constantly putting ourselves in the spotlight. Like to yeah. have a business now, have an online business, we are constantly going, would you like, would you like, would you like this? It's really good. It's really, really good. We yeah. can never do that in the corporate world when you're going for a bit interview. Yeah. But we have to, and that's why I think it's so powerful to have these conversations and be like, you want to be a business owner, you want to lead your own life and have all this amazing freedom. Amazing. Like I couldn't, couldn't tell you, it's the most amazing thing ever. However, you will have to make friends with this absolute cowbag bitch sitting in the corner who is going to become your best friend, even though she's a cowbag. We just need to bring her along, but she's going to get louder and louder unless you go, hold on a minute, what what's going on? And you ha- like you mm-hmm. said, drawing attention to that voice stops it becoming, giving it all the power. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we give enough, uh, give ourselves enough credit, really, when you like as entrepreneurs, because it's so different. Like, it's not normal to constantly be like my partner says to me, he's got like the most corporate job ever. Like, he goes off to Canary Wharf every day, and I'm like, cool, have fun. Like, I'm gonna dance on TikTok or whatever. Um, <laughs> and he always says to me, like, because quite often you can get burnt out, you can get exhausted, you can get overwhelmed. Um, and he'll say to me, God, like, what you do is so much harder than what I do yeah. <laughs> because it's just constant, like, constantly. Um, sometimes you can feel like it's like a performing, isn't it? It's not, no. it's authentic. But, you know, when you've got to create regular podcasts, when you've got to create content, when you've got to get on stories, when you've got to sell, like, and that's just the marketing. Like, that's not even your client work, yeah. right? So, like, exactly. that's not even servicing your clients. And it takes, like, an, another level of confidence and another level of mindset, really. And so that's why, you know, entrepreneurs, I think everybody needs mindset support, really, to some extent, um, whatever they're doing. But entrepreneurs, like if they don't have this shit down, if they don't have this shit dialed in and locked in, that you're only going to ever reach a certain level of success. You're going to just stay capped or stay at that ceiling. And, you know, I well, I'm sure your listeners are very similar to mine. Like if they're listening to the podcast, they've got big goals. They've got big ambitions. They want to retire their husbands, you know, like they want to have the big houses and the beautiful holidays and all of this kind of stuff. They want to have the freedom where they're not stuck at their laptops doing something that they hate all the time. And so I think mindset is always left to the last. People will spend 15 grand, 20 grand buying the six, seven figure strategy from the six, seven figure coach. Whereas I don't think people are giving enough energy and invest investment in terms of time and probably financial investment as well into the confidence and the mindset work to heal their imposter syndrome and it's just such a massive piece of the puzzle you know it's almost more important than the strategy oh I think it it has to be because it's the essence of who you are and don't forget as entrepreneurs who who are we selling like even if you're creating a product people buy you for you you know that if you're not looking after yourself I call Mm -hmm. it um working on your warrior energy because we have to be warriors like being resilient but working on your warrior energy the re i my mindset was so um weak i I wouldn't say it was totally weak but it really needed some work when i first became 
employed because I was self-confessed workaholic that you know I progressed very quickly in well both careers I, I became you know got promoted and became a manager and leader of teams the same as you and you just sort of mm. get to that point where I'm like my what is at why am I actually working this hard I love what I do but actually for me it was in my self-worth my worth was only in how I served other people so mm-hmm. then when I didn't have I was running my own business who where were the bosses to work for or the kids to make up like who was I then working for for myself like how to impress myself yeah oh God, what what the hell would I do with my day like I remember just having these periods of just like I've got to make some stuff like I don't really know what I was doing and then I just fell upon this formula that I had in the in the mornings that I would always walk my child um my child <laughs> like he was just a random kid then I, I walked my son Jackson to childcare. <laughs> Um, because I used to drive when it was lit it's not a long walk at all it's like 10 minutes there 10 minutes back not even that so I was like right I've, I actually feel good because I've walked right I've moved that must make some sort of sense there was a lot around COVID about the virtual commute so people getting mm. themselves ready for the working day I was like well I, I used to get dressed in work clothes yeah. and have a face of makeup so what if I get dressed in not my pajamas and put some makeup on will that do anything to my confidence or how I need to show up that really works like putting lipstick on or even if I've got no other makeup on if I put some lipstick on I'm like I've got color on my face yeah also like just wearing clothes where I was obviously in education it was all very navies grays blacks like we had to be really really smart and I remember I had one animal print. I haven't actually got any. Oh, no, I've got my animal print cardigan behind <laughs> me. But normally I've got some kind of animal print on. And so I was like, why am I not wearing more? Anim-? Like, I bloody love it. I love wearing pink. Yeah. I love it. So I started looking at my wardrobe, taking things out that was just too old me and yeah. and stuff like that. Um, my virtual commute became um, a se- uh, 11 songs I would play in the same order every day. And it, I used to start playing it when I was putting my makeup on and then I'd have to pause it. I'd listen to the rest when I came in from work, from dropping Jackson off. But then I was like, I'm ready for work. And it was Aww. like I was driving the same route to work down the same yeah. roads, but I was listening yeah. to the song. So that really worked. So I created this like resource. We use it a lot in my membership in the Vivi Club called the Warrior Energy Toolkit. But that's to give you capacity to be able mm-hmm. to take on what you want to take on to achieve your dreams like acknowledge that you may have to push yourself to do something that you don't want to do or it yeah. might feel a little bit scary um you to have the capacity to be able to deal with your imposter syndrome and because a lot of the time it's just about space and then that's yeah. not even including your self-belief which is something else that you can work on so it's like it's so much there's <laughs> so much as entrepreneurs we just think i'm just going to sell some stuff I'm just gonna yeah. service. I'm gonna make so much money, and then you're like, "Oh, there's quite a lot of work here." Yeah, it? but that's why majority of people just—it's not about running out of money or going bankrupt. It's the the mindset that they run dry of. It's like the bank of mindset. You need to be working on that first, and then everything else comes after it. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing how to tap into like knowing what works for you and how to tap into that resource of like energy and co- like. Because you could have, like, you could be thrown by one thing that yeah. triggers you or throws your entire day or your entire week, and it could actually be pretty 
um, not substantial, right? Insubstantial. But if you're like, for me, whenever that happens for me, I, very similar to you, have like my bank of resources where it's like, cool, feeling a bit off, feeling in a bit of a funk today. How can I like me like running music breath work like all of these kind of like I love to move like that's really my thing and if that doesn't work I'm like cool let's park that let's come back to it tomorrow and knowing how to do that is like the like that is like the strong foundations of your business like that because even though no it's not sales strategy no it's not visibility strategy no it's not client strategy or anything anything like that that is so important because if clients are plugging into you for whatever it is, whether you're a marketing agency, coach, PT, whatever, you've got to make sure that you're a good person to plug into, right? Nobody wants to be plugging into like, you know, a burnout coach or, you know, a stressed marketing, like stressed marketing coach or, you know, a PT with like massive imposter syndrome. Like people want to plug into people who do feel empowered, who do feel excited and energized and driven um so yeah having that as your kind of bread and butter is essential yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely I love that I just I think it's with, with self-belief like you was talking about your what you do I call it like the rescue remedy as well you know when it, mm. it is it's like you on the floor well yeah. number one I usually have a cry crying just helps isn't it I suppose yeah listen that's like I was reading and I'm, I'm absolutely novice when it comes to breath work, but there's like a, a, a breath that we do as we're crying. That's sort of like a natural way to calm us down. Mm. Um, so I just, if, if I try, if I want to cry, I just cry. I don't, you know, yeah. like, I think it's an absolute strength, but I always think of self-belief that that's what we need to fire up when our imposter syndrome is really loud as well. And that it's like a flame. So three things that a flame needs, it needs oxygen, fuel, and heat. So how does that relate to what we give ourselves? Well, first up, we need to give ourselves some space. Like, yeah. you know, whether that is just going for a silent drive or a silent walk or running or something mm-hmm. where we're just giving ourselves less sensory overload and also just a bit of space or, you know, writing, etc. Then you have like the kindness, which is like the, the heat mm-hmm. that keeps us there. And just saying, we don't actually have to carry on doing this. Like, yeah work for ourselves if you're working at home and you're like do you know what I just want to get in the bath or yeah lay in bed and watch sex and say that's okay like or yeah or, you know whatever um that kind of comfort giving yourself self-compassion for that but also the fuel that drives all of this is knowing who you are like you were saying about leaning in to what is right for you so how are you knowing yourself and listening to that intuition have you done any writing I mean I don't know about you but I write all the time I started writing doing the morning pages by Julia Cameron which is like the artist from her book the artist way and I did it because I just felt a little bit stuck and she said about doing three a four pages a day so I started doing that and it has become one of the best tools it's yeah amazing first day I'm like catching up with myself not first day the first page Second page, I'm like, yeah. And then the third page, I'm like a proper badass when I'm writing. I'm like, yeah, we're going to actually smash yeah. it. Yeah. It's just giving space for you to go, do you know what? Nothing is more important right now than me. I'm going to mm-hmm. stop this client work right now. I'm going to spend 20 minutes writing. It's just so powerful yeah. to give yourself permission to do that. Yeah, I think like 
it's as a business owner as well like giving yourself space to journal like some of my best ideas have come from like journaling in the morning like things that I would have never really thought of and I think when you so I do my first thing in the morning yeah and it's just that clarity like I make it the first thing that I do and it's just that clarity piece of like it feels like your brain is so fresh and you're like cool what's coming up and it's just really that kind of anchor to ground you but also to help you think big because that's a big part of it too yeah and I there's like a science to do with if you are on a4 rather than a5 it gives your brain because it's a bigger space that's you know oh I love that yeah Yeah, paper I've just done some like strategy planning for the business and I stuck together probably about 10 a3 size of paper and it's oh I love that like piece of paper you've ever seen I took I've got my husband to take a picture of it because I was like we need a picture of this this is monumental babe this is like yeah in the business um but it's huge but when I was doing my mapping it felt so free because I was like yeah all this paper to use up it was really exactly cool. so there's a, a little tool a little hack there if you use a4 instead of a5 it does help a little bit I love it. I love it. Oh, we've covered so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Claire, where can everyone find you? I am Claire Hill. That is everywhere. I am Claire Hill. What about you? Um, So my podcast, Confident AF um and generalkeith.co on all of my socials amazing thank you everybody let us know your key takeaways send us a message let us know if you've got any questions and we shall see you soon thank you so much for listening to the no rest for the video podcast written produced and hosted by claire hill and music has been composed by my brother phil